out there in Geek Buys Nation. This is your pal Dane Alves with another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, a show in which, you know, if you're new to listening, me and usually my co-host Christopher Brother Ray Patton break down the latest and greatest in professional wrestling news and provide you with reviews over the shows this past week. We have another Super Saturday show, but alas, I do not have my partner, uh, Christopher. Uh, he had some uh, some stuff that he had to deal with, so... He'll be out this week, but I am looking forward to providing you guys with a fun show. We have way too much shit to talk about. And I guess I'll start off this show, just get right into it, and uh, go over the two pay-per-views. We're recording this Sunday on the 13th. Uh, last night, there were two pay-per-views uh, that maybe people didn't watch, I don't know, or had less watches than other pay-per-views or other, uh, you know, different style promotions uh, throughout the world, but um, we have Final Resolution with Impact Wrestling, their last pay-per-view of the year, and um, we also had Triple Mania, which is AAA's uh, biggest pay-per-view. It's uh, their WrestleMania, if you couldn't tell from the name. Um, both events had to deal with a certain individual named Kenny Omega, which will come out probably a lot throughout this show, so I'm kind of going to go through uh, my opinions on the matches, um, and just kind of overall give you what I thought about the uh, the thing itself, um, or the events themselves. Sorry, I'm a little bit uh, a little bit tired, so I- I've gotten some coffee in me. I'm trying to get my my, my brain checked in, if you will. But um, let's start off uh, in order, if you will, due to what happens in the show. Uh, basically. In uh, in Impact, they made Final Resolution. I think it was pre-recorded. The reason why I say I think, or I'm pretty sure it was pre-recorded, is because somehow it was supposed to start at 8, uh, and I'm waiting for it to come on, and I thought Twitch was having a pre-show for it. Now, I expected them to be playing some old event like they normally would uh, throughout it, but no, they, they, were, they were actually showing a chunk of the television show before it started at 8. So uh, I don't know. It's uh, it's it's impact sometimes, you know. So I'm 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 assuming it wasn't live, but they had it so that Kenny basically made a stop before he went to Mexico, since uh, at least Eastern Standard Time, Triple A didn't start until one in the morning. So he's on that same um, time zone uh, since he's in Tennessee for Impact. So him and Don were in his van, you know, much like when we talk about Impact this week. I'm gonna breeze through that. Um, same type of concept, uh, but they were basically there uh, to show presence. Um, it was made on commentary many a times. They they talked about Kenny Omega. They talked about AEW. Uh, we had many 
times hinted that Kenny is going to be going for the Impact title at some point, or that might be what he's doing since he's now claiming he is the belt collector. So he was stopping by before he had to defend the Triple Eight uh, Mega Championship at Triple Mania. So just um, a, a cool added element. He would kind of motivate Carl Anderson into like really putting it to Ethan Page later on. You know, they were kind of they were hanging out. So there's some type of alliance, if you will. They even called it a Bullet Club reunion, or at least Madison Rain did on commentary. So they are trying, I guess, to make that branch. You know, they're both getting along, and uh, Carl's like, well, I have to have a match with Ethan Page. And they're like, oh, you should do that in five minutes. And at first, he kind of was taking insulting, like, you know, they were kind of, like, uh, calling him out. But they're like, no, dude, you're the machine gun. You're Gunner. You know, you're you're, you're a part of, remember G1 at the Tokyo Dome, the finals, you and Okada? Like, you know, you should be able to rip through Ethan Page. So, cool added element. um, But pretty much that was it from Kenny. Um, it was just kind of assumed that, and it looks like we're going to be having, at least if not putting the titles together, uh, you know, between Moose and uh, Rick Swan. Uh, you know, Moose has been, uh, I'll say, representing the TNA World Heavyweight Championship. Obviously, Rick uh, is the, and you know, spoilers, uh, is still the uh, Impact Wrestling World Championship. So, I don't know, maybe Kenny will be having lots of belts. But let's go over this card. Start off with Tommy Dreamer going against Larry D. I didn't really care about this. Um, but Tommy Dreamer basically won, uh, and and then Larry D was taken to jail uh, for attempted murder of Johnny Bravo. So I don't know what that means for his tag team, but uh, this was the end, hopefully, to all that stupid shit. I uh, love Tommy Dreamer, but uh, really just don't care about split personalities with Larry D and him being in love with Rosemary and trying to take out Johnny Bravo and... All that ridiculousness. So I, I probably didn't pay attention to this one as much as I should have. We had Havoc and Nevaeh going against the Sea Stars, a new team of uh, Ashley Vox and Delmi Exo. Uh, probably butcher that name, but uh, Nevaeh and Havoc won. Eight-minute match. Tanel Dashwood and Caleb with a K uh, defeated Alicia and Eddie Edwards. Um, eight minutes. Great way of using Eddie Edwards, especially on pay-per-view where you're going to get a bunch of views after you got like 750,000 between all, you know, platforms for your last show, but whatever. Then we had Hernandez against Falaba. This is the match that actually showed up early uh, at 7.30 when I was watching it. Uh, I, was, I, I saw the rest of this. This was just dumb. I mean, I'm not trying to, not trying to make fun, but it doesn't really get bigger, I think, until towards the end. Um, which I would have had all hands on deck, but I would have had that for impact as well. So we'll get to that. Hernandez uh, defeated Falaba, and they still couldn't find the money. So I think Falaba got that um, when Tasha Steeles was uh, holding on to it for the match. And for some reason, Kira Hogan was uh, the referee, and Tasha was the uh, timekeeper and announcer. So, yeah. Um, but that, yeah, that, that prompted to, uh, them, uh, one of the interviewers asking if she could interview Kenny Omega and Don Callis turning her down and saying, basically no one can come in the parking lot. Um, I, except for when Carl Anderson came up and he was definitely on the list. So that was setting that up. And then we had, uh, Eric Young. He was with Joe Doring, uh, going against Rhino. He ended up defeating Rhino. Uh, Manic, who is actually uh, TJP won the Impact X Division Championship against Rohit Raju. 
And the story was he was the only one, or at least TJP was the only one that was not allowed to compete for the title. Obviously, Manic and him are the same because they have the exact same fucking tattoos, and Josh Matthews uh, called that out. But um, it's cool that TJP is a new Impact X Division champ. Um, like TJP a lot. All right, so Deanna Perrazzo won against Rosemary, and I was hoping for Rosemary, but Deanna just got back this title. They had a pretty good match, and some uh, some some not really interference with Taya, but Kimberly ended up giving Deanna Perrazzo the win in this. Uh, then we had Carl Anderson basically just really dominate against Ethan Page. So it, it prompted to the fact that Kenny Omega, you know, got him amped up and, uh, it definitely worked. They had a uh, package as of recently, you know, on impact, Josh Alexander lost, um, partially due to Ethan page, not being able to stop anything with Chris Sabin. Um, he's, you know, Ethan somehow lost to, uh, whatchamacallit, um, little AJ styles. <laughs> um, God, I can't remember his name. Swoggle. Uh, so there was that. And, uh, you know, Josh was pissed that he, that Ethan thought it was a good thing that he took out, you know, uh, Doc Gallows and put him on the shelf for a month. And he's like, you, and I, I don't know if Gallows is actually hurt or he's going to, and he's going to come back early or some shit, or if this situation where he did have some type of minor injury and he's got to be out and they just use that to take him out. Or if he's been putting off something, had to get surgery. So he's out for a little while. But, um, you know, that was dumb of Ethan Page to check out one of the tag team champions because how the hell are they going to win their title back? So that was kind of like the thing going into it. And uh, Ethan Page, once again, he got put fucking out. Stun gun, one, two, three. Bewildered, can't believe it. Telling Josh Alexander everything's going to be okay. That everything's going to be fine, you know. They're going to work it out. They're going to get their titles back. And uh, Josh Alexander gave him the cold shoulder and left. What I'd love to do, or love to see at least, uh, since it's already been called out, have the North get a chance to go against maybe this week on AEW. Have FTR call out the North. It's already been established online. They can bring that up with Twitter going back and forth. And have the North lose to FTR because this will have to do with their losing spree and the, the dissension between the two members, because if you're going to split them up, I know that, that Ethan Page technically has, um, you know, he's almost done with his contract, and we don't know if he's renewing it or going somewhere else. If you're going to have him split up for that reason anyways, then you might as well get some mileage out of it and give us that match, which a lot of people would like to see. So that they, they could do that for Dynamite. That could be like, a, that could be a main event if they wanted to. Um, so I, I don't know. But uh, I like this. Carl uh, Anderson was uh, definitely more aggressive, and it was a good match between both guys. So we had Rich Swan going against Chris Bay for the Impact World Championship. I already told you the aftermath, the Moose coming out after he won, but this was a damn good match. Both guys, you know, just brought it, <laughs> if you will, and uh, were having a superb matchup. And uh, Chris Bay definitely has some stuff like noted both being from the Bay, you know, uh, from Baltimore, and just apparently being compared a lot to Rich Swan throughout his career in the Indies that Rich obviously was at previously before Chris came up. And uh, they do have a similar style. 
Uh, they have a similar look, but, you know, I think that there was part in a match that I didn't like that, and I, you know, I could, if, if I were to suspend my disbelief, I could see this happening. But Chris Bay gets so distracted, he gets so, you know, uh, frustrated that when he got one of his finishers on and Rich, you know, was able to get out of it with a three count, he kind of just sat there and moped instead of, a, you know, I know that JR would have been up his ass if he was doing the uh, commentating, basically. But Rich Swan won. Uh, just good stuff, man, back and forth. Very, these guys are both full of finesse, but I think that Moose, and I don't know, I don't know what you do in this situation. If the end goal is for Kenny to have that title, I would think it would be smarter to have Rich Swan beat Moose uh, and put the two titles together. They're now one. I guess he can walk around with them if he'd like, but, you know, that's the whole purpose is that there's one championship, and then Kenny goes after it. I just don't want to see Moose finally get the World Heavyweight Championship after his career and then lose it right away. Maybe it's less of a blow for him to lose to Rich Swan actually, than gaining the title just to lose it immediately. So, I don't know. Um, it's an interesting comp concept, but yeah, all over... Triple Mania, or no, and, and final resolution, basically. Um, lots of Kenny Omega. He actually, apparently, quote-unquote, so I'm pretty sure, like I said, the final resolution was filmed, but uh, jumped on some type of aircraft and went to Mexico. Uh, it started at 1 o'clock in the morning, like I said, Eastern Standard Time. But uh, just a crazy event like normal. They had a big, uh, you know, I don't know if it's their Hall of Fame necessarily or if it's just like a memorial, but uh, Laparca got one, which very cool. Laparca is obviously someone that, you know, has a lot of influence and presence within there. Sorry, guys, I'm trying not to make noise, but that's impossible. When you don't have someone to like, you know, bounce off of, you don't have a chance to break as much as you'd like. But, uh, hold on one second. Apologize about that. Taking my vitamins I forgot to take. So. <clears throat> but you want to make sure you take vitamin C, vitamin D every day. <clears throat> Especially right now. And these times in, uh... If I forget to, I try to remember to, so that would be a situation where I would have been off uh, doing that and having myself on mute, so I apologize about that. But, um, yeah, we had a, a trios match start. I didn't watch it. It was kind of their opening match. I didn't know anyone in it. Next match, Lucha Brothers for the AAA World Tag Team Championships, their championships, going against uh, Mystech Jr. and Octagon, or, uh, yeah, Octagon Jr., and then also Texacano Jr. and Ray Escorpion. And uh, brutal match, everyone fighting everywhere. Just a lot of stuff. Just, you know, just absolute craziness. What would you expect, basically, from a AAA, triple uh, three-way tag team match, you know, for the AAA World Tag Team Championships? But, I mean, this is Pentagon and uh, Phoenix. This is kind of... These uh, championships, actually, Phoenix was the one to lose uh, to Kenny Omega for the Mega Championship, so he was the, the 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 champ on top, if you will, for a while. 
Surprised they haven't tried to do that with Pentagon since he's got a lot of uh you know, international flavor. He's he's popular in America, he's popular uh throughout a uh, at least I would say he's bigger as far as a personality than his brother. Might not be as, you know, someone as 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 good uh in the ring altogether. Well, I think overall he's got a great style, but as far as Phoenix, he's got more finesse, more high flying abilities. He's a pretty incredible wrestler to watch. But um, you know, they're not they don't have a major belt that this is the tag team belts are theirs and uh they would end up winning. Uh like I said, it was pretty brutal at, at certain parts. Of course Phoenix got his mask completely torn the fuck off. I think Texcano Jr. did that. Or maybe him and his partner Ray both worked together for that. But uh would uh after after it was all said and done, go and grab another mask uh, to the outside. So just uh, a lot of fun. I mean, the thing about Lucha Libre is it's it's different. But I swear for – I don't want to, like, discredit indie wrestlers by saying this, but, like, the indie style that's influenced by, you know, lots of different styles. Uh, the Cruiserweight division, I would say, over in WCW, that was Lucha Libre and also just strong style. Uh, done by everyone, and then that kind of perfected to a different concept altogether uh, when you got to the X Division uh, in Impact. And uh, the whole waiting for someone to dive thing that drives me crazy, they have kind of perfected, I think, at AAA, the way to go about that. Either wrestlers are really fighting until it happens, or they don't have the fucking camera on everyone to the outside looking like they're just waiting for the person they actually watch the person go off the top ropes, and it makes it that much more impactful. So I think that's a good thing. We had Lady Shawnee and Lady Meravella uh, go, uh, you know, have a, have a match. Uh, it was it was basically a big battle royal. Pimpinella, a lot of different, uh, you know, wrestlers, female wrestlers, and um, trans wrestlers were a part of it. Uh, but Lady Shawnee won. So I didn't... I, I, once again, this is unfortunate. Maybe I didn't hear him because, you know, they kind of switched to English every so often to give us, like, the groundworks of what was going on. But it was mostly in Spanish. So I don't know if that means that Lady Shani is going for the title. I don't know if Lady Apache has that title still. I haven't paid attention. The last time I paid attention to AAA was when Kenny beat Phoenix for the title. Before that was Triple Mania in 2019. So... Uh, we had a, it, I mean, it was just going to be an explosion between the two legends. That's what it really came down to, because they're old rivals. But we had uh, Los Psycho Circus, uh, Psycho Clown, Monster Clown, Murder Clown. Psycho Clown being one of the, I would say, kind of like the Roman or, or even Naito over in Mexico. Um, he is extremely popular. Very, very similar to Naito, definitely. But... Was put in a group, pushed to the moon. People definitely, you know, resented that fans. And he had to basically, even though he was pushed as the top star in that said organization, uh, he might not have actually been the most popular. I would say that Pentagon's probably one of the most popular. And Pentagon, like, you know, Naito compared to someone like Okada, has more appeal outside of Japan, where Naito is one of the biggest superstars in Japan. But they both had to build themselves and get them out of... Uh, Adhering towards a certain stigma from the fans themselves. So, uh, I mean, it, what happened was Blue Demon uh, kind of crossed paths with El Hilo del L.A. Park, which is L.A. Park's son. Son of uh, L.A. Park is El Hilo de 
uh, if you did not know that. And L.A. Park, just so you're not confused with La Parca, uh, we kind of went over this when he unfortunately passed away. That was another thing about this. I'm not 100% sure, but I think LA, like La Parca's injury was due to a dive that ended up just going terribly wrong. And still, there was at least 60 in all these matches, but... Uh, they still do it better, but it's still just a fucking dangerous thing, especially them going into these metal barricades uh, without, you know, having much to protect them. So uh, just kind of popped in my head. But um, anyways, so La Parca, there was La Parca. That's the one that we knew of. That is L.A. Park uh, in WCW. And he was also huge in Mexico. Well, he went, you know, and was much more over in the U.S. And another person, they... They kind of do the psychosis too is not psychosis obviously, and they don't get along. They gave the the gimmick, if you will, to another person because it's not one with like you know a lot of prestige at the time. It was just a gimmick that I believe AAA came up with. So he was La Parca, he was La Parca. Well, legally, the second La Parca went and copy wrote uh, the character. So even though <laughs> La Parca became very popular in the United States. He was the chairman of the board in WCW. Uh, in the 2000s, he had to change his name, so he went to L.A. Park, which is, I think, what La Parca stands for. I'm not 100% sure. So that is the little history behind that. But L.A. Park is to Lucha Libre Wrestling what Pentagon is, much much like how Ray Phoenix kind of is a lot like how Ray was, uh, Ray Mysterio. So, um, but... So him, or or I should say Blue Demon Jr. and El Hilo del uh, L.A. Park, they were basically going back and forth of who was going to pin Psycho Clown. And this would cause a lot of bullshit, you know, them kind of faking each other out and whatnot. And, uh, you know, when they lost finally, it it was because of this. And uh, L.A. Park and Blue Demon, who used to be rivals, start beating the hell out of each other. So this match was, I guess, destined to set up those two legends in another program. Um, after we had the very interesting Marvel Lucha Libre edition match, which was a bunch of known wrestlers as characters that are based on the Marvel characters themselves with luchadors. Uh, but very cool concept. So we had Terror uh, Purpura, Purpor- uh, and that is Thanos, and it was played by Brian Cage, so very cool. Cage has done a lot of stuff over in Mexico for years, so it was, it was good that AEW let, let him do that. And he was with uh, Venonade, which uh, was Venom, uh, which was played by Black Taurus, a very popular character, and someone that came out earlier in the night. I forgot who he got involved with but uh, as Black Taurus. But uh, it was him and Venom against... Uh, Arachno, which was Leo Rush, who was playing. He had a cool bonding uh, costume that kind of reminded me of Peter Parker's, Ben Riley's, and also Miles Morales, all wrapped up in the one. And, I mean, if you're going to get someone to be your Spider-Man, I think that Leo Rush is kind of perfect for that. And uh, I'm going to... Leenda uh, Americana. And I think... I don't know the translation, I will admit. But it was Daga, who's a Latin American champion. I think that he might have been going for Captain Latin America. Uh, not 100% sure. Definitely a Captain America feel. Uh, fun match, but, uh, you know, Thanos would end up winning, uh, pinning Captain America. So, uh, weird way to end it, but uh, a lot of fun. Then, probably the biggest match, and probably, I think, the best match on the card, Kenny Omega went against uh, Laredo Kid. 
Uh, Kenny had Michael Nakazawa in his corner, and uh, in the corner of Laredo Kid was El Hilo del Vaca- v- Vikingo. Nope. I'm going to get this, guys. Sorry. Vikingo. Vikingo. So El Hilo del Vikingo, whose father obviously is Vikingo. Sorry for fucking that up. He got involved in one of the matches earlier as well, I think, with the Lucha Brothers um, coming to save uh, coming to save them from... Or, no, no, he they, they came and saved Dr. Garnet, uh Jr. and uh, Miz, Mysticus Jr. Uh, earlier in the night. So, from getting their asses kicked. But, uh, so he's obviously someone popular. I don't know that much about him. I like his hair. It's interesting. I guess he goes the same stylist as Eddie Edwards. Um, but yeah. So this match was back and forth, aggressive. I would say that Laredo Kid would be better off trimming some of the things coming off his mask because he's got a lot of fluid motion, uh, very similar to Ray Phoenix, but it seems to get his head cut off or caught up, I should say, when he's going in and uh, out of the ropes and, and doing some of these projectile things. But very good wrestler. Started off with chain wrestling for a while, actually, which I was impressed. Um, everything was very crisp. And, of course, this is Kenny just all of a sudden he just turns it on and V-trigger, V-trigger, V-trigger. He won with an avalanche uh, fucking one-wing angel, which I don't remember seeing. I've seen him pick them up when they're on the top rope, um, you know, like it, getting ready for a superplex. I've, I've seen him pick it up and do it from there, but he literally went to the second rope and did a spitting fucking um, one-wing angel to win and retain, you know, Mr. Bell Collector, like I said, the AAA Mega Championship, their highest title. So uh, this was definitely the better out of the two main events. This was the better worked match uh, for sure. Definitely like Laredo Kid. He's another guy like Bandito, who's more popular over in CMLL, and he's uh, a part of Ring of Honor. Like these new luchadors that are just insane, uh, some of the stuff that they can do. Last match was Pagano with uh, Lady Shani, uh, who was the one who won the Battle Royal, uh, the Women's Battle Royal earlier, uh, going against Chessman uh, with Texacano Jr. in his corner. Um, so Chessman's... A villain I don't know much about him other than he came on the scene, I, th- I want to say close to, could be wrong, when um, El Macias, a.k.a. Judas Messia, a.k.a. Uh, Mil Martez, which I think is now how he's going, but, you know, a kind of like this now luchador tribute to The Undertaker. He was another mystic character. Obviously, if you can't tell, very uh, reminiscent of Sting, uh, more going along with the Wolfpack Sting look. But they were having what is equated as as big of a match. I, I feel like this is their Undertaker streak match, is the hair versus hair or hair versus mask style matches. You can have your main championship. You can even have your other two, the Cruiserweight Championship, which is prestigious as hell, and also almost just up there, the Latin American Championship, not defended. Uh, but as long as you got this hair versus hair match, Pagano is very much reminiscent of Vampiro. Uh, his style. I think he was a part of the Psycho Circus, and some dissension happened between him and uh, Killer Clown, or it's not Killer Clown, Psycho Clown, I should say. But I could be wrong about that. I'm almost positive. But yeah, very Vampiro-esque. So you got Vampiro, you know, or, or this new promoted kind of 
similar to Vampiro character, going against someone that's very Sting-esque. So I, th- I found that cool. But brutal match. Both guys are bleeding by the end of it. And Pagano defeated uh, Chessman, or, yeah, Chessman, and they had to shave his head at the end of it. Uh, that was pretty much the big stuff. Uh, there was nothing else too crazy. Uh, Kenny's got a different uh, music, which is not different. For, like, Ray Phoenix and Pentagon still have the same music they have in uh, AEW, but uh, Kenny has a different one over in Mexico. I found that interesting. So Kenny is had a lot to do this night, if you can't tell. He was apparently, if it wasn't pre-taped, which it was, um, you know, chilling in his trailer, hanging out with Don Callis and and trying to schmooze with uh, Carl Anderson, get him hyped for his match, showing connection between the Impact Tag Team Champions and also the trip or trip well the AAA uh, Mega Champion and also the AEW World Heavyweight Champion. So that was cool. I think we're gonna see something from there. Like I said, coming out of this, uh, I'd love to see Laredo Kid show up, and Psycho Clown would be a lot of fun too, just because of his popularity. Uh, you know, eventually maybe for a show over at AEW. There's there, those are two in general. Um, Lucha Brothers are Lucha Brothers. I feel like Ray Phoenix eventually has got to take that Mega Championship back from Kenny, but I don't know when you do that. It's obviously smart. If he didn't have the AEW Championship and wasn't doing this whole belt collector concept, uh, along with the cleaner gimmick, you know, this new heel with Don Callis. I would have said you could have done something to get Laredo Kid the championship, but I, I I really didn't even think that he would be a good person to take the title off of Kenny. I, I would I would think Phoenix or Pentagon uh, or Psycho Clown, since I don't think he's ever had that belt. I think he's always had the Latin American championship. So interesting stuff, nonetheless. Fun uh, impact. Uh, you know you can't you can't beat that Rich Swan uh, Chris Bay match. Uh, there was a lot of good stuff on it, so I definitely check those out if you guys didn't get a chance to. If you do the AAA one, kind of, <laughs> kind of try to get towards the end, I would say. Uh, watch the Pentagon Phoenix match, and then try to get to the Marvel match. I would say, and then kind of, that's 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 my opinion. The the Laredo Kid Kenny Omega was the best work match, and Chessman versus Pagano was all over the place, but. I think that's just how it was. Um, all right, well, let's move on. I guess we should talk about Impact a little bit by itself. And I can kind of go into how I feel about how they handled this connection uh, between companies and, and, and their the week after they did this whole entire big thing uh, with AEW and Impact, uh, with Kenny winning against Moxley, getting out of there with Don Callis, you know, leaving abruptly, saying everyone should watch Impact. They hit, you know, they kind of, we already talked about, they had over 750,000. That was people watching it on television, uh, on their station. I forgot what it was. Is it All Access? I, I can't remember exactly what the name of the uh, the the station that, that, that uh, shows off Impact. But then also Twitch and uh, other streaming platforms. That's a huge number. We don't have any giant confirmation, but... Um, I can believe that they would get uh, a lot of views. Uh, we almost cracked a million with what happened, uh, you know, the follow-ups with Sting and then Kenny on AEW, so that was good. But like I said, I wish that they kind of – they pre-taped these Impact shows. And this is before we knew 
if the well, at least with Don Callis and Scott Diamore knew uh, was going to happen with the whole Kenny thing and Tony Khan and, and AEW partnering up with Impact. I think it was in the early work, so they just had it pre-filmed. I know they announced a couple of matches, but I would have just said, tonight, with everything going on, you know, make Scott come out there. We're going to show the best, and we're going to change up some of these matches. I would have had the biggest stuff going forward. They had that one promo where it was kind of like going for an old-school kind of infomercial but um, commercial for uh, AEW with Tony Khan, who not the biggest fan of having to be a character. He was funny in it. Him and Tony Giovanni, you know, just kind of running down everything. And Tony Khan being kind of a heel against Impact Wrestling, uh, even talking to Tony Giovanni about it. And Tony being like, yeah, I showed up and was in it uh, in 2008. And then I quit the business for however many years. So, you know, kind of throwing some shade, but nothing too bad. But I, I just... Um, I don't know, the last time we saw Tony Khan, he was very upset with Kenny for what he did, and it just was weird, kind of just throwing this on there. So, wasn't too big of a fan of that, uh, but I thought that Tony was, Tony Khan, I should say, was amusing. I just don't know if I need him as a character, as a part of the show. I think a lot of people feel like that. Um, But let's run through Impact, because, I mean, that was the most important thing, but... See, all right, this first match, you had Josh Alexander with Ethan Page going against Chris Sabin with with Alex Shelley. Um, Alex is back. He's fine. He's not injured anymore. This should have been just a tag match, and you could have had the same exact outcome with Josh losing um, or actually have Ethan lose since he's the one who continuously keeps on losing. Um, because I think the whole concept of this match was that Ethan Page wasn't really able to help out Josh Alexander um, but if you just had the Motor City Machine Guns against the North and the North gets a loss, it doesn't take anything away from what they're building with Ethan Page being down on himself or losing constantly and dissension. And, uh, you know, you get to see the fucking Motor City Machine Guns of the North have another awesome match, uh, to start off everything, you know, bring them in hot. Um, but like I said, I thought the, uh, I thought the infomercial was fine. Brian Myers and TJ Perkins had a great match, but if you had this as an impromptu X-Division match, had Rahit Raju go against Perkins, Myers, a couple other people, maybe even done, well, I forgot what the name of the match was, but, I mean, you want to have this almost like a pay-per-view. You want people to come back and not just be it, hey, Kenny's going to be on for a segment. Because if people see that, he just said the same fucking thing the next night on AEW, what the hell's the point? So... Yeah, have have the X Division, I forgot what it is, but like their big match, uh, and have a couple people involved. You can have Rahit Raju win, or you can have TJ Perkins win it, since he's going to fucking win in the pay-per-view and go against Rahit Raju in a rematch, you know, instead of Perkins losing and then getting, you know, his ass fucking chewed, not chewed out, but he was given a lot of shit from Rahit Raju of losing, and he was told he wasn't going to be able to you know, go against him in this open challenge at the pay-per-view. Then he came out as manic and beat him, so I wonder how they're going to go with that exactly, but that's what I would have done. I don't know. Uh, The third match, Eric Young going against Joe, uh, or going against Cody Diener, I should say, um, with Joe During in his uh, corner and Cousin Jake in his corner. I know this is too much like the North thing situation, you could have had Cody Diener turn on Cousin Jake because Cody loses the match. You make this a tag match. 
still able to show off Eric Young, who's the old vet. Joe During, this is a three-time, you keep on saying, triple crown champion over at All Japan. Obviously very influenced by Stan Hansen, if you can't tell from his look. Them as a tag team, show off Joe a little bit more in the ring, uh, because he is good from what we've seen. I haven't seen his All Japan stuff, but... Um, and then have the Deaners go against, and you could have Cody lose, and you know Jake telling him it's okay, and then he assaults him. So I, I don't know. It's 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 weird the way they went about it. Eric Young won though, and then Deanna Parasso and Kimberly versus Rosemary and Taya Valkyrie. We obviously talked about the match between Deanna Parasso and Rosemary, um, and uh, this kind of this kind of planted that since Rosemary. And Ty Valkyrie lost, that there's a good chance that Rosemary was going to lose. Or no, 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 I'm sorry. Since Deanna Prazo, since the heels lost, that that meant that Rosemary is going to lose at the pay-per-view. I guess it's more of a WWE thing, but this was a first-round match in the uh, Impact Knockout Tag Team Championship Tournament. So the champion is out of that, which is a good thing. Makes a lot of sense. So at least uh, Rosemary and Ty Valkyrie are climbing the ranks within that tournament itself. This is a good match to have, honestly. I mean, I guess you, you got to stick with certain things as a part of the tournament, and all these women are excellent in the ring, so I didn't really have a problem with this match as it was. Um, and then you had a weird segment with Sammy Callahan, Eddie Edwards, and Alicia Edwards that's going to build to uh, all this, you know, what's what's going on. Sammy's going after fucking Eddie. We, we talked about it. I forgot to mention, actually, uh, when talking about the pay-per-view, when Sammy came and attacked Eddie and hit him in the head again with the baseball bat and almost uh, assaulted Alicia uh, if, if you know people didn't come uh, and save her. So, you know, that this all had to do with this. Um, yeah, and um, let's see. They went over the card. Obviously, we already know what happened. We went over it. And then the final match was... I think a pretty good match, actually. This built towards the pay-per-view uh, with Witch Swan and Chris Bay's match, and it also showed off Moose, who claims to be the real world champion, also ties into this whole entire thing, and Rich Swan's good friend, Willie Mack, who is incredible in the ring. So, I, like I said, if you had those slight changes and then the ending thing, and this was a great match, um, but then the ending thing was the Kenny segment, and then they added more detail on AEW, the next night instead of kind of being flat and repeating the same thing and not giving us another announcement, which is what they said, you know, Don Callis stopped Kenny. So that, that's, that's kind of annoying, but, uh, Chris Bay and, uh, or, uh, whatchamacallit, Rich one and Moose one with the pinfall. Uh, but yeah, I liked, I liked the Kenny and, and Don Callis layout. I like how Don's, you know, kind of talking on behalf of him. Don't have to hear about the golden cheek anymore. Get it. I think they've explained that, you know, um, this has been in the works for a very long time since the two of them met up over at the Tokyo Dome. Uh, you know, Don Callis said, do you think that I just wanted to be a booker, just a, an announcer in Japan? Of course, I had more aspirations than this and how Kenny him are family and Kenny caught, or, uh, was actually good on the mic as well. I know Don has kind of suggested the comparison to him basing this off of something he's wanted to do with Kenny, where he is the Heenan, Kenny's a Bachwinkle, and, you know, 
instead of the AWA championship, he's got the AEW championship. So they're here. They're going to fuck some shit up. And they don't care what anyone has to say. That's what I got out of it. But this would travel, obviously, to AEW. And uh, I thought AEW actually had a really good show. I'm not going to lie. Um, it was fun. I The, the, the stuff with, with Sting, I was wanting more, but I think it was in a good way. The stuff with Kenny and, and, and Don pissed me off because it was the exact same stuff. And Don Callis cut off Kenny Omega before he could make the announcement he was going to make. But remember... What's all being said, Kenny is now wanting to become the belt collector. He wants to be Ultimo Dragon. He wants to be Vader. He wants to be in one of those pictures. I guess recently Walter did something similar, and so did um, Austin Aries. But more so with them, uh, Jerry Lawler, where he they are just covered in, in belts. Uh, with him, though, he has a chance to get some pretty fucking prestigious belts. I don't know if Ring of Honor would be up for this. It's a weird relationship with them. I could see him at least facing Nick Aldis and maybe going to, you know, a draw, uh, maybe a time limit draw. But who knows? Maybe the NWA championship. They are friends with them. He's already got the mega championship and defended it against Laredo Kid over at Triple Mania. Uh, but for, for Triple A, the biggest fucking organization out of Mexico. Um, New Japan, I don't see anything happening with, but... And you get that belt on Okada, that's a interesting premise <laughs> future down the road. But Impact definitely could see him taking some belts. And I think that this is going to be something that Kenny's going to do and uh, be this prestigious styled superstar. And that is intriguing, but the way they handled it was fine. Um, started off with Young Bucks versus Hybrid 2, non-title match. Hybrid 2 get a win. WWE style, then they get a title shot, but they did not win, which I thought was a smart thing to do. Um, just a fun match back and forth, a lot of craziness. Um, and I really, I, I always say this, I think Angelico, he has a lot of potential. Uh, I think Jack Evans is good, but he's been around for a while. A little worn, um, but I was happy to see this tag team have a good match with the Young Bucks. Because their previous matches, as of recently, uh, they just didn't flow as well. And I think they needed... Because Bucks can do different types of matches. But they're really good at this particular style match. So uh, we had that. Um, Then we had MJF talking backstage about the Dynamite Diamond Ring finale. And how he was going to win it. um, You know, uh, from, from Orange Cassidy. Uh, he cuts a passionate promo about his dynamite diamond ring showdown uh, against Orange Cassidy on tonight's show, and now he's going to win it for the second year in a row because he's better than him, and he knows it. Um, if you didn't see that coming, I don't know what to tell you. I really would have had this finals just to get some more eyes on the product. This is the Shaq thing. It's like you already had Sting, you already had Kenny Omega. You're going to have a lot of people coming because of the last episode just blowing people's fucking mind for both of those situations. Put the Shaq stuff and film it when he can do it because you're on his schedule. And then this week that's coming up, I would have had that and I would have had the finals with Orange Cassidy and uh, MJF and be able to advertise ahead of time 
not only is Shaq going to be finally, you know, talking to Tony Schiavone and Brandy about what's going on, but also we're going to have Diamond Dallas Page come back and present to the winner the the ring. I think that would have been a cool add-on uh, just to add some, uh, you know, some uh, intrigue to the show itself. But uh, Darby Allen had a nice little video where they're going over ink plots, and obviously the ink plots, you know, they're getting shown from a psychiatrist to him. He's supposed to say the first thing that comes to mind, and you have one that's Ricky Stark's profile. You have one that's um, Willie Hobbs, his profile. By the way, I, I, I watched was it Sammy Guevara's show, or was it Being the Elite? They have this new thing, and now, especially since he passed away, I think it's even better to tribute it. And, you know, I, I forgot, almost forgot about that. Rest in peace, Tiny Lister. A.K.A. Debo, A.K.A. Zeus. Um, watch the first two Friday movies. He's been in a ton of stuff, so you should definitely check them out. If you want to see an 80s cheese fest, No Holds Barred with him and Hulk Hogan, I think is still a fun fucking film. And you can also then watch the SummerSlam match they had. Not the greatest worker, but totally intimidating. Or the crazy-ass triple cage match they had at one of the WCW pay-per-views where it was Hulk Hogan and Macho Man against... The fucking horseman, the dungeon and doom against this ridiculous triple cage that was falling apart while they were on it. Um, and the last ring had the actor that played Bane who passed away and also uh, Zeus, who was, uh, you know, tiny Lister. But um, great scene also, just to say, just to give him a little bit of credit. So I was talking about this on Geek Vibes on Facebook. He had an incredible scene uh, in The Dark Knight that a lot of people just completely forget about because of, well, I mean, between between the Joker, obviously, uh, with Heath Ledger, and then, uh, you know, um, man, what the hell is it? Aaron Eckhart as Two-Face. It's hard to remember the scene where his character is a prisoner and they have to blow up uh, the innocent people on the boat next to him uh, in order to survive. And basically, Batman takes out the Joker before he can blow up both of them because he's expecting one of them to screw over the other. And Tony, Tony Lister, you know, he his character is like, you know, I give it to me, give the, me the detonator. You can't do this. I can do this. And when he gets it, you know, after his long speech and great monologue... He throws it out the fucking window and, and proves the Joker wrong. And I know a lot of people like me also kind of was like fan cast wise that was Killer Croc in the Nolan verse, but that was a Tiny Lister's a badass. So I just wanted to throw that out there. But anyways, with the ink plots, I don't know how I got on Tiny Lister. Oh, because that's right. So uh, Powerhouse Hobbs, Big Willie Hobbs, Will Hobbs, whatever you want to call him. He's been doing this Debo character where he comes and he tells people that's mine. And, you know, I think he should kind of throw that in there. I think that's a cool little aspect and nice little tribute now that unfortunately he had passed. But uh, comes down to Brian Cage. He explains that he wants to give him a title shot because he's been a thorn in his side since Brian Cage came and since Darby Allen turned down Taz. So we're going to set that up. And the last picture was of Sting. Uh, or his face paint, at least, uh, in an ink plot. And Darby Allen just smiled like he was very excited, which was pretty fucking cool. So Cody Rhodes comes out, and I think he was going to more or less talk about, you know, Team Taz and all that bullshit, and also maybe even Shaq addressing that. 
But he didn't get a chance to. We have Sting come out. Where we knew that Sting was going to come out at some point. Tony Schiavone's in the ring. Arn Anderson's in the ring with Cody. And Sting has this grand entrance. And he comes out. And uh, him and Arn Anderson kind of stare at each other a bit. And Arn goes, you know what? I think this is between the two of you guys. I'm going to I'm gonna leave. And Tony Schiavone was about to do the same thing. And Sting was like, Tony, come on, man. Do it one more time. And got him to do it. Sting! And then gave him a big hug. You know, Sting's happy to be there. He's happy to be uh, his character on this show. And I think that's awesome. And, you know, Cody is like, I've, I've dreamt of this moment. I've dreamt of this moment where me and you shared the ring. And Sting kind of cuts him off. And he's like, you know, Cody, I'm not here for you. At least not now. There's something very familiar, though, that has drawn me back to this. And they go to Darby Allen with the TNT Championship, holding it down. Not in the rafters, but in the upper deck, just hanging out by himself. And that's the only like note towards that. But then anyways, you know, he just mentions to, to Cody that they're going to have a lot of fun, that this is going to be a new era with Sting. We don't know exactly what he's going to do, but what we do know is that... Whatever, man, I'm fucking up the phrase. I have it written down here. Um, what is it? I'm. I feel like an idiot right now. Uh, see around. No, he says the. He says that he signed with with AEW, uh, and that they, you know, the people start chanting "Welcome home" to him. And he says that the thing that you can only know about Sting is that nothing's for sure. The only thing that's sure about Sting is that nothing's for sure. Sorry, guys. Wow. A little bit tired. Drinks too much tequila last night. Anyways, um, so then he said to Cody, see you around, kid. And you could tell Cody was kind of happy about this, but when Sting got out of, you know, hugging him around the neck, like, there was a little bit of tension there. I'm telling you, there is going to be a future where this new Four Horsemen group is going to be together, and Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard are going to be calling as generals from the ring of a decimation with FTR and Cody against Darby Allen and Sting. Just, I'm telling you that's going to happen, but who knows? I could be wrong. But, uh, yeah. So then we had Team Taz addressing uh, Sting, Cody, and Darby Allen. Um... Taz talks about how sweet how that was to see Sting and Cody and Darby Allen all in a special moment together. He brings up uh, Team Taz beating down Cody and Darby last week, and when Sting interfered in their business, uh, that was a bad idea. Taz points out uh, uh, of Cody's protege standing next to him, and it happened to be Hook, his son, so he's not with him anymore. Ricky kind of claimed that. He's now a part of Team Taz. Um, good stuff. Next, we had the Varsity Blondes. Brian Pillman Jr., Griff Garrison. Uh, first time on the main card, I think, for Mr. Brian Pillman Jr., since he's still a part of MLW, and just recently won the OVW World Heavyweight Championship promotion. I did not realize that Al Snow owned or that it was even still around. So, good on you. Uh, but, you know, doing his thing over in MLW. I think he's still trying to go for that middleweight 
championship, if I'm not mistaken. But this was FTR just decimating them. And I was really kind of upset. I, I like the match. I think it makes sense. You know, this is the first time in. I know that he gets along with uh, both members of FTR. But this was just a way for Dax and Cash to get a win. And for some reason, they decided that Brian would be the person to take the pin. So I, I don't know why they did that exactly. Um, so we, we, we shoot to a, a, a thing with uh, Hangman Page and him in an interview explaining that he kind of needs partners. Well, here comes John Silver and Alex Reynolds. And they offer them, and Hangman Page is about to blow them off, and he decides, well... Fuck it, I actually do need some help. So we got this whole Dark Order thing with uh, Hangman Page going on. Uh, and then we follow that with the Dark Order's 10 going against Dustin Rhodes. Dark, uh, whoever 10 is, I forgot the wrestler, but he is powerful. He's great. Uh, I like his look, too, for a, for a group that has, you know, kind of the same similar fucking putties, if you will, or, or Foot Clan soldiers. Like, he stands out with the white, just creepy, but buff. But him and Dustin had some issues in this match. And I remember, it looked like Dustin kind of might have hurt himself a bit. It was a very awkward end and abrupt end with a running bulldog for the one, two, three, with Dustin winning. But I was kind of confused with it. It wouldn't stop Evil Uno asking Dark or asking Dustin Rhodes if he'd like to order the Dark Order. So we got that. Tony Schiavone sat down with Shaquille O'Neal and Brandy Rhodes. Uh, this was, you know, Shaquille was just happy to be there, all babyface as hell, nice. Uh, just telling Brandy that he felt terrible about what Jane did to, uh, or Jade, I should say, did to uh, Brandy's arm. Brandy was not happy about it, and that all the shit-talking on Twitter with Cody was all just some good fun. And, uh, you know, everything was fine, it looked like the beef was squashed, Brandy was about to leave. And then Shaq said... Hey, Brandy, you should probably uh, get some pointers from Jade. She might be able to help you with wrestling. And then Brandy snapped and then grabbed the water and threw it in Shaquille O'Neal's face. So I think we're going to get... We're definitely having the ladies maybe with Cody in one corner with for Brandy and then Shaquille O'Neal in the other corner. Or we're going to get a mixed match. Mixed... I'm not going to go by a WWE term. Uh, a, a intergender tag match, basically. So I don't know exactly, but... Brandy's sick of his shit, and she definitely said that. She was not good. So we had the ultimatum um, for the, uh, what should we call it, the inner circle. Chris Jericho wanted everyone to kind of line up and, and talk about this, and uh, MJF asked if he could speak first. Fans boo. It's brought up that MJF nearly threw in the towel, during Chris Jericho match, Dynamite tries to deny it, but Jericho, thankfully, is like, Max, we watched the episode. We watched you do it. You definitely had it first and then threw it at Sammy. So they don't treat him like they're idiots, which is good. Um, he he swears, you know, it, it just came down to Sammy Guevara doesn't want to deal with his shit. You know, he thinks that he's an idiot. He's not happy with progress. And he thinks that, you know, They'd be fine without MJF and, and Wardlow, and Jake Hager kind of agrees with them. But then Ortiz kind of is like, I think you guys are great as as additions to the group, as humans, you're terrible. 
Uh, he's like, I think it was either him or Jericho said that Santana's out for something. I think it's family related and he's been out for a couple weeks now, but you know, Santana was, uh, doesn't like MJF so much. He didn't even show up for this whole entire thing. So played off that, but, but Ortiz was like, you know, Wardlow, you're growing on me, man. You're definitely a powerhouse. You deserve to be here. And MJF, might be like mold, but you're growing on me too. And, uh, you know, this kind of imprompted him to say to Sammy, like, dude, just fucking shake his hand. Let's, let's, let's do this. Let's be a group. And Sammy finally was like, fine. And they shook hands. They put their, all their, their middle fingers in the middle. And it was announced that. This was, uh, you know, still the inner circle. So we saw some turmoil, you know. We had MJF, once again, try to hype up his match for later on the night. And just saying he's going to kill Orange Cassidy and blah, blah, blah. And Chris Jericho's like, dude, Max, you're ruining it. Just relax. We got this. You know, they're all going to be in his corner. Everyone is united. The inner circle is good. So obviously the inner circle is not good. Um... So we had an interview with FTR and Tully Blanchard. And um, Marvez brings up FTR's uh, loss to the Young Bucks and the tag team titles at AEW Full Gear pay-per-view. And it being the lone defeat in their AEW career. Wheeler claims that he lost it. And he's a little bit emotional about it, but technically he did. Blanchard claims, uh, chimes in and says he, he wasn't at AEW Full Gear. And because of that... The full team wasn't there. He claims that they are all together. They are the best team on the planet that no one can stop. Dax uh, closes the interview segment, talking uh, uh, last. Uh, Harwood agrees with Blanchard that as a united force, they are the most unstoppable team in the business. He makes it clear that their goal is to recapture the AEW World Tag Team Champions. They close the segment by saying, fear the revelation. And do a little hand sign. So, there you go. Then we had Eddie Kingston. The Butcher and the Blade against Lance Archer. The Lucha Bros. This kind of went fucking just all over the place. Very quickly. I'm still weird about why Lance Archer exactly is helping out. Um, I guess he just wants Kingston that badly. But this is kind of positioning him more babyface. Don't really know where Pac was. But I guess you don't want to do that right off the bat. You know, you had Jake Roberts distracting. I mean, when it came down to it, at the end of it, Eddie Kingston, the Butcher and Blade won, but it's definitely not, you know, it doesn't matter um, how it happened. This is going to be Lance Archer going against Eddie Kingston very soon in the future. Uh, backstage, we had Jade Cargrill, um, Nia Rose, and Vicky Guerrero just going after people. Um... This, I think, set up a tag match for next week. But they were just destroying... Um, oh, man. They, oh, uh... No, they don't... Red Velvet. They were destroying her, and then Sheena Deeb and, and Big Swole came to her defense. So they're still taking out people. Tesha Price, first night, is to go against Abaddon. Abaddon comes out, pretty much destroys her very quickly, building it up. And then you had Sheeta come to save because 
You know, Abaddon just kept on destroying uh, Tessa Price afterwards. She became hit her in the head with a kendo stick. She's going to get Tessa Price out of the ring, and Abaddon raises. See, everyone's at Undertaker style. I know, obviously, her raising means it, but it's a different way of doing it. She kind of, like, did it like a possessed, like, I don't know, fucking creepy. But um, it's not over between Hikiru Shida and Abaddon, and Hikiru Shida, once again, the champion, is showing some fear to Abaddon. Um, yeah, backstage, Inner Circle, they're all on the same page, Sammy is, is cool, you know, everything's good, and they're all gonna be, like I said, uh, ringside, uh, when MJF goes against Orange Cassidy, so, we had world champion Kenny Omega showing up by helicopter, uh, he comes out of the ring, he comes to the ring, I should say, with Don Callis, and like I said, he repeated the same fucking thing. Same fucking thing. All the stuff that Don Callis said the night before on Impact, he said. Might have added a little bit more, a little bit less. Their whole buildup of their family life, of how he was trained by the Golden Sheik, and the Golden Sheik was Kenny's uncle, and he took care of him afterwards. Blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, that type of stuff annoys me, because what when we finally get to what they were talking about on Impact... The announcement, Kenny's going to make it, and Callis cuts him off and tells him, save that for later and do the whole ending thing, the uh, good night, you know, shoot, whatever the fuck Kenny calls it. His cleaner ending that he always does. So that was it. And uh, he said, welcome to the wrestling biz to uh, Tony Khan in his uh, interview. So throwing some more shade from Don Callis. I'm sure we'll have some more said on Impact, but uh, I thought that was very lackluster, and they could have really lit the fire a bit more. I'm glad they saved Moxley, and he wasn't there. They need something else. That's why I would have been completely okay, actually, if Moxley showed up at Triple Mania and caused Kenny the title against Laredo Kid. but they're trying to do this belt collector thing, so there you go. MJF. Um, Went against Orange Cassidy. This ended up being a lumberjack match real quickly. The best friends went and grabbed people to be, you know, on the same number count as the inner circle. So they grabbed, like, Griff Garrison and, and, and Brian Pillman and some other baby faces, Scorpio Sky and whatnot. I think he was there. And this is a good match. At uh, one time, um, we see Chris Jericho holding Floyd, uh, and we think that they're going to get involved, but that's stopped. It's, it's back and forth. The match wasn't bad at all. MJF won. Was very surprised by that. I thought that he would actually end up winning. But, nope. Winner of the second annual Dynamite Diamond Ring Final. Second year in a row. MJF. Still got that ring. And then, the best man, Miro, and Kip Sabian come out and they start brawling with everyone. Best man's destroying it in some weird Versace t-shirt. I don't know what the hell's going on with this. it's, It's like if... It's like if Hercules Hernandez was like a Metro or like into like, I guess if it was done during the eighties was really into like Debo and, uh, other electric, you know, new wave style stuff and wore like, you know, pleather vests and just, it's, it's interesting. I'll just say that, but, uh, very excited about what happens this next week. So they still pulled me in. I still think that 
with Impact, with AEW, we could have seen a little bit more. Also, another note, once again, uh, between Impact, between this, Okada has come out of people's mouths a lot. Uh, and I like totally, whatchamacallit, totally uh, working, basically. But Don Callis and Kenny kind of talk as if they were the great thing over in New Japan. And they're definitely forgetting Okada for a reason. That's definitely not what they believe in real life. So I'm just wondering where that's going as well. Uh, you know, Okada's up there with, like, I mean, there's certain wrestlers, and he's number one, obviously. But if their involvement comes in. Like, a Jay Lethal, I would love to see show up. Um, try and think someone over at Impact. I guess they have, like, full reign over there. But, like, Adam Cole, out of anyone in NXT, I'd love to show up in AEW. Um, and on the main products, if I'm being realistic, I don't know, like Ricochet for Raw, Alistair Black for SmackDown. If I'm not trying to go for the biggest names. Um, you know, those are huge names. I'd love to see some type of involvement. Psycho Clown from AAA. Who from Impact is my number one person? I mean, kind of Eddie Edwards. I think Sammy Callahan, actually. I think that he would bring the most. But, you know, as far as all these other promotions, Hammerstone over at at MLW, probably Aldis and also, uh, you know, Thunder Rosa. Um, Tessa is another person like that. I guess Punk would be close to Okada. As far as, you know, these are these are people that if you could grab them, throw them in AEW, but Okada's number one to me. And uh, some involvement with him would be fucking incredible. So I hope that that's, might be where they're going. A lot to do before then. And even Kota is another person. I'll, I'll just put it there. But uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's try to get through... I'm just going to go through the card of Raw rather fast, because guys, I really just don't care anymore. It's gotten to the point where my, my, my lack of, of caring for the fucking thing, it just it's not there. I did love the tribute to Pat Patterson. Um, they did the same thing they did on SmackDown and on NXT. Really great tributes. More from superstars on that platform being able to speak about him, um, either in tweets or, or whatnot. Now, they showed the same type of stuff, but it was good. Uh, so they had Asuka versus Shayna Baszler. I believe they said this was the first time the two ladies have gone against each other. You tell me that the two probably... Like the Finn Balor and Adam Cole, if you will, of uh, as far as the you know, if, if that's the male division, two of the top champions of all times based on statistics, Oscar and Shayna definitely are that of the women's side of it, and they just threw it on fucking Raw, and Oscar won because there was Lana and Nia Jax and just a whole bunch of goofiness. So they had a good match. That's something that should have been a fucking pay per view, to me. Um, then we had. Reckoning and Slapjack versus Dana Brooke and Ricochet. They don't really care about any of these people. It's kind of sad, especially with Reckoning losing, I believe, the week before to Dana Brooke. Uh, or should I say, Mia, or not Mia Jade. Um, this is this is terrible. Now I can't even fucking remember her name. Mia Yim. Just getting wasted. Um... Don't care. Keith Lee and Sheamus have a little bit of an altercation. 
Um, kind of called out Sheamus on his bullshit. Keith Lee was a part of several wrestlers sent back to the performance center to kind of work on them being sized wrestler. I think that Taker's going to be helping them out. Uh, a lot of shit talk about that because it was like him, but like guys are definitely more green. Otis, Baba Tunde, um, Jordan Oge, uh, which is the, the guy that, uh, is the bodyguard for AJ Styles. And Shane Helms, who's now working back for WWE, says that I think this is actually important because it seems, because uh, Triple H talked about him having more involvement and especially going into next year, him having a lot of involvement, uh, Undertaker is there. And they've already had Big Kev and, and, and Scott working with people like Damian Priest. And Kev was working with, I believe, Jordan Oge as well. So having to take her there, that's not a bad thing. I just don't think that Keith Lee should be on that level. Um, congratulations to Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch. They announced on the thing that, uh, she had a, they had a daughter named Roj. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce it. I apologize. A Roo, maybe it's R O U X, but should end up becoming an incredible female wrestler of, of, of her time. Uh, Ms. Bullshit. I don't care. Him talking to AJ. They have a plan. You know, if. If I win the title, or if you help take out Drew McIntyre, they they work together, take him out. AJ gets the title, and then Miz knows AJ's probably easier to beat. Then said Drew McIntyre, and AJ knows that if he can get Miz to help him. Um, or maybe it was the fact that AJ was trying to get him to cash. He would take down... Yeah, I think that's actually what it was. He'd take down Drew McIntyre, let Miz cash in, and then AJ can be able to beat... Something on those lines. It was actually kind of smart. I didn't care. <laughs> Kofi and, and Shelton Benjamin had a, a pretty damn good match. Uh, Shelton's... You can tell sometimes he's not as uh, on as, as as he used to be. Uh, he's getting older, though, so what the fuck else. But just a little bit kind of sloppy in places. Um, winner Kofi, and then there was a lot of shit talk, so they had another match. And Cedric won. Or no, that's right. So Cedric called him out. Cedric's been very aggressive and very, uh, well, kind of like what we said, like rockish, if you will, from the Nation of Domination, kind of speaking up for himself, saying that he could beat Kofi and then end up beating him in a match. So that was a great proposition. I don't care. I don't care. Two on three. Sheamus and Drew McIntyre against AJ Styles, The Miz, and John Morrison. Not only did their plans backfire, well, their plans didn't backfire, but still, it just, how the hell is is the three of them, going against two of them, winning, going to be really good for AJ Styles, The Miz, or John Morrison? That makes them look like geeks. Um, so after the match, AJ celebrates with uh, Omos, Jordan Omos, uh, at ringside, and Miz, Morrison also regroup and celebrate. We see Drew down at the ringside trying to recover. We've got replays. Sheamus is also shown trying to recover, looking over at Drew's. As the announcers play up the situation between the two friends and partners. Um, but yeah, that was it. That was what happened with the champion. He was going against three people, but why was it a fucking handicap match with all these huge primetime characters and whatnot? But whatever. And... Something happened with Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. 
I don't care. I don't remember. Um, Bobby Lashley and Jeff Hardy actually had a pretty good match. Bobby Lashley winning. Randy Orton was going to go against Bray Wyatt, just as a normal Firefly Funhouse. And they would have a match. They used camera tricks and obviously filmed it at different times to have The Fiend come out. And, uh, yeah, they brawled and, and whatnot. And that was it. That was, that was raw. My opinion on it, Alexa Bliss is definitely one of the one of the better things, or at least keeping the Wyatt thing a lot more alive. I never asked for more Randy and Wyatt, but we're going to get it, I guess. I don't care for the Shayna Baszler, Asuka, Nia Jax, Lana fucking thing. And I'm sorry, if Asuka wins those titles with Lana, that's just going to be ridiculous. So I don't know what the hell they're doing. I like the title picture. I like that it's AJ. I like that you can tell that Sheamus and him are going to have some type of feud that they're going to kind of pull that out. You know, ex-buddies, I used to be the champion, now you're the champion, and I'm just like, you know, whatever. It'll probably be hard-hitting as fuck. Probably a little bit slower than some people like. Um, They're very methodical wrestlers. But I like all that. I like AJ being involved. Even The Miz. Wish that they would do something with fucking Morrison. Um... That's about it, guys. Let's just let's just get the fuck out of there. Oh, and now now I don't have NXT up. Great. Let's see if I can find this. Oh, well, now I just screwed myself over completely. Hold on, let me pull up the websites because I just fucking exit out of both of them. One thing that was cool, I heard that Leo Rush is going to be a part of the uh, Super Juniors, Super J Cup. Um, him, ACH, TJP, which we talked about the fact that TJP and, um, and Chris Bay were both going to be involved in that, but we got a lot of different superstars from different uh, promotions, which I definitely find interesting. And I'm always going to be a fan, I think at least of Mr. Uh, whatchamacallit, Leo Rush. It's good seeing him play Spider-Man. All right, let's go to NXT. So... We start off Finn Balor. He's talking about what's going to happen with him in the future some more and that he's ready for opponents. And uh, some people uh, definitely wanted to uh, let it be known that they want to be involved with that. We had Pete Dunne come out. He staked his claim. We had Kyle O'Reilly come out, remind Finn what happened to his job. That was the work of him, that Pete Dunne should be Fucking the last person because they beat them at war games. Damian Priest comes out. And uh and then Finn kinda like leaves while they're about to like fight each other. Gets out of the ring, goes back up the ramp, and right as about to say something, Skylar Bardot comes and taps him on the shoulder and Finn grabs the mic and says, Let me guess. Tick tock. Why don't you tell your man that if he's going to do something to, you know, get out of his car um, and say it to his face, something on those lines. Samian Priest mocks uh, Killer Cross the fact that if he's such a tough ass, basically he's, he has to send Scarlet to do his bidding. And, you know, is he just like, you know, relaxing and in the car away from everything? So setting up stuff for later on, she smiled and that was it. We had a pretty damn good cruiserweight match with Jake Atlas and Isaiah Swerve Scott. And it looks like Swerve is going to be possibly going as a heel. 
um, which I don't like. But afterwards, you know, Scott just sits there and he's shocked that he lo- lost to Jake Atlas. Atlas celebrates. Uh, Atlas offers his hand to shake, but Scott is seething and ignores him and uh, exits the ring. So not being very good about it. Tommaso Ciampa is in the back. He's talking about defeating uh, Timothy Thatcher and then calls out Cameron Grimes. We have Imperium versus Everrise versus Grizzled Young Vets. It was a pretty good uh, match. Obviously, Everrise is kind of the, the I don't want to say joke tag team, but, I mean, really when it comes down to it, they are. But they're, they're able to show some good stuff in this. But this is about Grizzled Young Vets getting a win, and that's exactly what happened. After the match, Drake and Gibson stand tall and have their arms raised. And, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's going to be one of the big guys coming out. All right. We uh, get uh, Raquel Gonzalez saying that she deserves a title shot uh, for be- for beating, uh, whatchamacallit, Io Shirai, or being the one to pin her, at least, in the War Games. Mackenzie Mitchell is backstage with Tony Storm. She asks Storm why she turned on Ember Moon before War Games. Storm says Ember was in the wrong place at the wrong time, and she guesses she made the right decision because her team won. Storm goes on and says she made it clear when she came back that she would focus on the title, but all she heard about was Ember Moon, who stole her thunder. But that's okay, because we're looking at the next NXT World's Champion. Then Io interrupts. And she mentions the title and says she doesn't have a problem with Storm. She just doesn't like her. And then Shirai attacks Storm. And they brawl through the backstage areas. Officials try to stop them. The brawl spills out into the arena as fans cheer them on. Shirai ends up hitting a running double knee to the corner. Shirai goes to the top for a moonsault, but Storm retreats the floor. Ember runs down to attack, launches Storm into the steel steps. Moon talks. Some trash and rolls Storm back into the ring. Shirai nails a moonsault as Moon looks on. Shirai mocks Storm as her music hits. Moon, blah, Maroon. Moon shares the uh, the ring while backing up the ramp, also taunting Storm. Oh, no, Moon stares back at the ring, sorry. Next we have Cameron Grimes to Master Champa. This is a good match. Uh, actually really showed some legitimacy, I think, to Cameron Grimes, which has been kind of destroyed with the uh, feud that he had, which I will say I did like the takeover match with him. I just realized I don't think that we cover takeover. Well, guys, I mean, I'll try to bring that up after this and we'll kind of go over the matches. But, um, yeah, I, I actually did like the strap match. I thought that was a pretty good strap match uh, between them. That was definitely the best match that Dexter's had with or Dexter Loomis is with Cameron Grimes, but I am done with that, and I think this this uh, match definitely helped out a bit. I apologize, I didn't even think about that. But yeah, we had Timothy Thatcher, he comes out, he is, uh, you know, sitting ringside, very much like what Ciampa did to him, trying to be somewhat of a distraction. Um, and on the apron, Ciampa fights him off, uh, it looks like, oh no, no, Thatcher is standing at ringside, like I said, Tyler Rust, a new performance center recruit, Russ Taylor, runs down and attacks uh, Champa on the apron, but Champa fights him off. It looks like Russ may be a student of Thatcher. 
Vic identified his name. Uh, Grimes takes advantage of the distraction and attacks, but Champa plays cat and mouse, running out and right back into the ring. Champa catches Grimes with the Willow's Bell for the pin. And afterwards, him and uh, him and uh, Tomas Champa and uh, Timothy Thatcher had some words for each other. It does not seem like they are done, so that's good. And uh, we had a weird thing. I think this is make us out tomorrow. I really do. But the whole thing that's going on with Bo- with Boa and Zaylee, and they're punching piece of wood. They're getting beaten by kendo sticks. They're bleeding everywhere. And I love after this whole entire thing of them just getting their ass kicked. But it's like they're ready now or something. Um, you know, I liked uh, Vic Joseph. No, 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 it wasn't Vic Joseph. It was uh, fuck, what the hell's his name? The guy who talks like this. Um. Oh, Barrett, uh, Wade Barrett. He said, I can't tell if they're, if they're being, or if, if they're learning how to be Shaolin monks or if they're just getting straight tortured, which, uh, same thing here. All right. So we had, I, I really did not like this whole thing. All right. So just to let you know from this whole thing, Austin theory is now a part of them. Obviously he helped them out. Uh, Johnny Gargano is a new champion. He loves that. Uh, they have a new thing, which is, uh, this is the way, which I do not realize that that's, I know the Gargano way, but that's the, literally the same fucking thing that they say in the Mandalorian. I thinking that the same thing, same, uh, same way. They kind of make it like Austin Theory is kind of dumb. Candice is going to be out for a while. She broke her wrist. Any Hartwell obviously, um, is hurt, but that's obviously a fake one. And, uh, I love the part where the fan said, you suck to Gargano and he goes, uh, he goes, no, I do not leave me alone. And that was kind of funny, but that was about it. So I guess now the Garganos are going to rule, even though the girls are both injured and Austin apparently is a twit. So I don't know what the fuck that means. Pete Dunn and Killian Dane have a match earlier. This was set up because Killian Dane was pissed about obviously getting his head smashed in the door and beat up Killian D- or beat up Pete Dunn backstage. They have a fucking vicious brawl, uh, but Pete Dunn ended up winning. And afterwards, Lorcan and Birch joined, um, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, and just beat the crap out of him, and then celebrate. Dane checks on Drake, as done. Lorcan and Birch taunt him, so, yeah, that's right, uh, there was a part where Drake was taken out, uh, trying to help his friend out, and, uh, yeah, so Mackenzie asks, uh, Leon Ruff, since Damian Priest, oh, I, I did forget about that. So Damian Priest came out at one part. Where was that? Damian Priest had come out. So weird doing this by myself, guys. I apologize. He came out and he was talking some shit. And where was that? Basically, he got attacked by Karrion Cross, who was not happy about his words beforehand. So they, she was asking Leon Ruff if, you know, since Damien Priest is supposed to be his tag partner, what the hell was he going to do? And we had uh, Kushida come up, and he approached uh, Leon Ruff and said that he would be his partner. So it's going to be the two of them, Gargano and Austin Theory. That's when it was. It was during the Gargano stuff towards the end. Damien Priest came out, and then Killian Cross 
uh, beat the living hell out of him. Um, so it's going to be Gargano, Theory against Kushida, and also uh, Leon Ruff, which should be a good match next week. And the last match, I believe, was Raquel Gonzalez versus Amber Moon. Gonzalez gets better and better every week. We've said that a million times. And uh, this is also a really good match with Ember Moon, too. Gonzalez would pick up the win, though, with her uh, like her one-handed powerbomb, which looks fucking devastating. After the match, uh, you know, we'd have Tony Storm come out. Uh, she stands over Moon. Storm goes to grab Moon. But all of a sudden, Rhea Ripley's music hits. We know that there is a pass between Rhea Ripley and Tony Storm. So Ripley gets in her face. The match set up next week is the two of them. And then she notices Raquel again in the background, and the two of them square off again. So that's how we went off the show. Uh, Like I said, I thought this was... I actually liked NXT in a lot of ways more so than um, AEW this week, which is crazy compared to what we had last week, but just some good stuff. Um, Let me go over this TakeOver card. Just in case. Maybe we did go over it. I don't remember doing that. And I would hate to have forgotten. And I can kind of do this quickly before we go over SmackDown and finish this show. Um, apologize if any new listeners uh, picked this episode. I hope I'm doing good. I usually have my partner. Um, he had some stuff he had to, you know, tend to. So I had to jump a little bit solo. But, uh... All right... First match that started was Team Candice, Cancel Ray, Dakota Kai, Raquel Gonzalez, Tony Storm, beating Shotzi Blackheart, Ember Moon, Rhea Ripley, and Io Shirai. This movie was not uh, this movie. This match was nuts. Uh, I know that Brian Alvarez and a lot of people had a problem with doing it the opposite way. Basically, you know, normally you would have the heels having an advantage, uh, but they they kind of did it. A different way. I, I didn't have a problem with it. I gotta be honest with you. Io doing the spot off the the uh, top of the cage in the fucking trash can was crazy. Shotzi accidentally broke uh, the wrist of Candice Ray because Candice uh, tried to move the ladder, I believe, that was on top of her in place. And in doing so, she realized she did it the wrong way. And, you know, just a break of the, uh, the, the wrist, I think. So that sucks. Kota Kai got hit with a hammer from Rhea Ripley twice and got up. Thought that was stupid. Did not need a hammer involved at all. This was my least favorite out of the two War Games matches, but I still think it was a good match. Had some of the, if not the best females in NXT just beating the living hell out of each other. And uh, most people got their moment to shine. Um, so, it was fine. Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher had an awesome match. That was 35 minutes for the first for the ladies' uh, War Games match. Um, we had a 17-minute match with Timothy Thatcher and Tommaso Ciampa. Uh, Ciampa won, but this was a great fucking match. It was it was brutal. There was a lot of grappling, um, a lot of hard hits. It was just a fun match. Very well done. Um, but Ciampa, like I said, would win. They're obviously not ending that feud. Dexter Loomis won against uh, Cameron Grimes. Beat him uh, by submission, but the strap match actually was pretty good. Uh, it was this weird part, though, where Cameron Grimes didn't want to use 
the strap that they had, like he had his own strap or, you know, whatever. But as far as strap match, I thought they did a good job. Johnny Gargano defeated both Damian Priest and Leon Ruff to win the NXT North American Championship. Oh, that's all i got to really say about that. Match was fine. Leon Ruff, I think, wound up back in the Cruiserweight department, but they elevated him a bit by having him just win, fluke win the championship from Johnny. Johnny got it back, and it looks like Damian Priest is slowly but surely getting put in that world heavyweight picture and will be going against Killer Cross soon. So that kind of takes him out of the uh, North American. And Gargano, like I said originally, can have some good matches with lots of people and hold that title. Last match, Undisputed Era, Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, Roderick Strong, Bobby Fish, against Pat McAfee, Pete Dunne, Danny Burch, and Oni Lorcan. Also, did not need all the fucking added weapons throughout this match. Uh, Pat McAfee, I mean, between that perfect fucking moonsault to, I believe, Kyle O'Reilly, if, if I'm correct, um, was awesome. Just perfect. He did a swan time bomb off the top of the fucking thing onto everyone. That just looked great. Um, it was a hard-hitting match like normal. Surprise! these guys didn't, uh, you know, get paralyzed or anything uh, from some of the crazy shit that they did. But the Undisputed Era won, and, you know, I don't know. I mean, the NXT era hasn't had as many, but I would put uh, Undisputed Era as probably the best team for War Games matches right underneath the Four Horsemen, personally. And uh, this is another good display. Very surprised that Pat McAfee didn't win. But uh, you got to do what you got to do. All right, now that we have NXT done, let's talk a little bit about SmackDown that happened on Friday. Uh, we're recording this on Sunday the 13th, like I said, so this would have been the 11th. And um, we would start off with Carmella and Sasha. Sasha comes to the ring for the signing of the contract. Carmella is nowhere to be found. Uh, Sasha opens up the booklet. There's no contract in there. She's pissed off. Carmella's talking shit. She's backstage. She gets her concierge to go deliver the signed uh, contract to get Sasha to do the same. And Sasha takes it out on her concierge and beats the crap out of him. Um, so there you go. They're going to have the match. She even had like a little stamp, a boss stamp, for her signing. It was, uh, it was great. But I don't really care about this care about Sasha. I just don't really care about a match with her and Carmella. They did have a decent one at the end of the night, but it didn't go anywhere, and it was to set up their match at the pay-per-view, which is exactly what I thought it would. Um, Caleb Braxton talked to the Street Profits. Same stuff. Very entertaining, but they're going to beat Ziggler and Rude, and they want smoke. Uh, come out. We had Dolph Ziggler and Montez Ford. Really fucking good match. And Dolph Ziggler ended up winning, which is crazy, with an out-of-nowhere super kick. Um, but this was definitely a pretty damn good match. Montez Ford is a fucking freak. Uh, and Ziggler can bump and feed like a motherfucker. So this is another added wrinkle in their, their feud. I like all four of these guys. Anytime I get to see Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler being not treated like fucking idiots... Uh, even though they still kind of are, you know, it's it, it it's good. I'll I'll be happier with it. Um, so we had another interview with Sami Zayn, the WWE Intercontinental Champion. He's ranting to the merchandise guy about not having any stuff for him, who 
you know, he's the IC champion. And they don't have any merch for him. So Big E walks in. He's got new merch. Apollo Crews and Kalisto. Or Apollo Crews has new merch. I don't know about Kalisto. But they have a new shirt for Sammy that they are actually selling that looks terrible. And they all made fun of him. And that was it. So Sami Zayn went against Big E. This was good because it was a good match at first. And I think Big E is going to get that title now away from Sammy. I could be wrong. But the way that they went about it, Sammy's still chicken shit. He crawls underneath the ring. Big E goes to after him. Um, it gets almost a 10 count. Sammy jumps in the ring. And then like right as Big E's about to come in, kicks him in the head. Uh, and they get to a 10 count. So Big E loses. And is just bewildered and pissed off about it. We have uh, Bailey backstage. She's talking crap about, you know, Sasha Banks at first. And says that she's still, she hasn't forgotten about her, basically. And that Sasha Banks, you know, is a loser and stuff like that. And she will get her belt back. And then she starts crapping on Bianca Belair. And Belair is right behind her. Uh, and she just basically tells her, puts her in her place. And lets her know that she is the EST of wrestling. We see Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns walking backstage for the first time. Um, back from the break, Kayla Braxton is interviewing Carmella. Carmella asks, says Sasha Banks thinks she's the boss, but Carmella is untouchable. Carmella goes on and says she is what the SmackDown Women's Champion looks like. And tonight, she's going to beat the disrespect out of Banks and look sexy as hell while doing it. Carmella tells her um, messenger guy and tells him to set her champagne up at ringside because she wants to toast it as soon as she beats Banks. And I don't, I don't know if that's a lot. I guess you can have a victory drink afterwards. Um, anyways, the announcers show the video package of Kevin Owens uh, with Roman Reigns and Roman Reigns just taking out Kevin and then also going after Jey Uso with a chair. Uh, we go to the ring and, uh, Owens is throwing more weapons, a ladder, a steel chair. Owens sits on the uh, chair up and stands the table up. We see Reigns and Heyman watching backstage. Owens stands the ladder up next. Owen uh, takes the mic and says he knows Reigns is watching, so he needs to listen closely. Owens isn't afraid of Reigns, even with Reigns. Being as good as he's ever been, Owens does not fear him. Rain says he fights for his family, and Owens can relate to that. But as good as Reigns is, regardless of what he says it looks like, Reigns' family is doing the fighting for him. Owens says Reigns is usually using his family to fight his battles at him. Owens says their match at TLC is the most important of his career, and he knows that Reigns, uh, that the Reigns we see today, with all the momentum he has, can probably beat anyone in the WWE. Owens is aware he needs all the help he can get if he wants to win. Owens fights for his family also, but his family isn't a part of the industry. They support him by watching at home. Owens says his family won't be able to physically help him at TLC, but he has a few friends that will. And he introduces tables, uh, chairs, ladders. He cuts a promo on how each friend will help him beat him at TLC. Owen is standing at the top of the ladder now. He says Reigns can keep the head of the table because at TLC he will do what it takes 
to get back to the top of the ladder and become Universal Champion once again. Owens goes on about family, but he suddenly knocked off the ladder with a steel chair shot from Jey Uso. Jay was shown early in the night, and Roman was like, you cool? He's like, I'm cool. So after getting an ass beaten, still there for Roman Reigns. And, uh, you know, was kind of like signaling earlier about like letting him handle this. So he goes over there, and Uso beats uh, Owen onto the table and lays him out. Uso goes to the top. Owens gets off the table and decks him with a chair. Shot to the face. Owens with a big chair shot over the back now. Owens with big right hands. Owens drives Uso face first into the ladder. Owens puts Uso through the table with a pop-up powerbomb. And then Owens sells the knee injury as the music hits out and reigns with Heyman. Or, and Reigns comes with Heyman, I should say. Owens stands in the ring with the chair, ready to fight, yelling at Reigns. Reigns and Heyman watch from the stage. Heyman talks strategy to Reigns, reminding him he calls the shots as, uh, as, as, you know, he's the one who calls the shots. And basically the whole entire time, Kevin's trying to bait him to come in the ring to do something. And, you know, Paul's saying, like, on your terms, you know, and, and gets him to just back away. So... That's it. And back from the break, Owens is marching through the back, uh, looking for Reigns. Kayla comes up trying to get a comment out of him, and Owens like, hey, have you seen where Roman is? And Roman just takes a chair and just obliterates him, throws him into pretty much everything backstage. And, uh, you know, talks shit about him and, uh, you know, looks at the camera and says to Owens' wife, that since he is the biggest thing in WWE that all Roman or all Owens is doing is screwing up, you know, their their table, if you will, and, and that you need to talk to your husband, you know, and, and, and get him to realize what the hell's at stake and just beats the shit out of Kevin Owens some more. So, yep. He looks at the camera and says good night and then walks off. We have the Riot Squad going against Billy Kay and Natalia. Natalia was the secret person. Uh, Riot Squad won. I don't really have a lot to say about that. Uh, we get a video of Chad Gable helping Otis with some unusual training. Um, you know, throwing balls and trying, or medicine balls, and trying to get him to figure out his blind spot. Um, it was fine. I don't know what the hell this is for Gable. But anyways, him and Otis had a match against Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura. And uh, guess what? Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura won. So, good stuff. Oh, Lord. Um, so, yeah, back from the break, we see Otis and Chad backstage. Gable says tonight was a learning lesson. He didn't really want Otis to tag him in. Gable says... Otis had the match won when he asked to be tagged in. Gable goes on and says tonight was a test, but you failed. And Gable says it's okay because it's all part of the alpha mentality. He's teaching Otis what to do by sowing him what not to do. Oh, there's an H missing. I'm an idiot. By showing him not what to do. Otis wants to interrupt, but Gable tells him to hydrate for now. And we'll explain more later. We see Steve Cutler and Wesley Blake, and they're right next to King Corbin. This is Corbin's group, basically, and they're called the Knights of the Lone Wolf. That's it. That's all I gotta say. And they're gonna take out Mysterio and 
his son, Dominic, and that evil, evil Buddy Murphy. Great. And the last match, Carmella and Sasha Banks. This wasn't a bad match, actually. Carmella, I think, has gotten a lot better in the ring. I've given her props for that beforehand, but, you know, she won because of DQ. Uh, so the message boy, or sommelier, or whatever the fuck they're calling him, tries to help from ringside, but puts a bottle in the ring, but the referee grabs it. He then pulls Banks out of the ring to the floor while the referee isn't looking, breaking her submission. Banks chases him and comes back in, brawling with Carmella. Banks uploads and beats Carmella down in the corner. Uh, he won't, she goes past the, uh, the count, and the referee calls out the match. And afterwards, Carmella just beats the living hell out of Sasha Banks, gets her outside near the announce table, and takes a champagne bottle and busts it over Sasha's back. And that was pretty much the ending of SmackDown. I like SmackDown not as much as I usually do. I really love everything that's going on with Roman. You know, the way that they're building Roman and Paul Heyman, and now they're bu- building Kenny with Kenny Omega with uh, Don Callis, similar in concept, but they definitely seem to be two of the most dominating wrestlers now in the industry. Uh, you know, how they're booked and where they're placed and what they got. So, uh, interesting stuff. But, guys, I hope you liked my rundown of everything. I apologize. Like I said, that was by myself. I tried to go over all the wrestling. I think I got it in a pretty short manner, or shorter than it would normally take, but you didn't get all the great back and forth like you usually do with me and Chris. But, hey, we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to this episode. Uh, go to Wrestling Geeks Alliance on Google. Uh, you can find us on Red Circle. That will have links pretty much on that to any platform. You can also find links off the Google to iTunes. Look us up on Spotify, Stitcher, pretty much all your major, major downloadable platforms. You can go to Geek Vibes Nation. That's our website, geekvibesnation.com. You'll find news articles, a bunch of different things. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's, it's, it's a good source for just news of different geek, you know, geek stuff when it comes to wrestling, comic books, comic book movies, movies, video games, all that. So a lot of stuff's been going on with Marvel, a lot of stuff's been going on with Sony and Spider-Man. Definitely check out some of our articles from our amazing writers and, uh, join us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Geek Vibes Nation. Find me on Twitter at DaneAls42. On Twitter, message me. Let's talk about this stuff. Uh, tell me what you thought about the episode. That would be really appreciative. I love talking to people about this. And then you can find me at Just Dane Alves, usually on the Geek Vibes Nation Facebook page. Or just message me, and let's uh, let's chat about some stuff. But uh, let me know that you watch the show and everything, and we'll have a conversation about that. Chris will be on next week. We'll be back to our old schedule. But thank you guys so much for listening. Let the geek vibes be with you. And as always, peace out. All right, guys, have a good one.